Yo, what's going on, y'all? It's your boy So-So, in case you ain't know so. And welcome back to another episode of Sports with So-So. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast, which is now available on all streaming platforms. And make sure you're following the show on social media, so that way you stay up to date with what we got going on. This week, another fire episode. We do our weekly heat recap. We go into the NFL playoffs and how they're moving forward. We break down the Conor McGregor versus Dustin Poirier matchup. And I sing the Chelsea Blues. Let's go. Guess who's back? Yep. My dog. What it is. Not much, big homie. Just been fucking surviving here after these back-to-back losses that he took. I know, to man. The it, Nets. Was, it was rough, but you held it down while I was gone. I show you, you homie, dog. Did your thing. Yeah, man, it's it's been rough, right? Because we've had to hold hold it down because the Heat haven't been looking as as good as we thought they were gonna be, bro. It's, it's tough, man. It's tough to make a, a you know a bad situation, you know, trying to find the silver lining in it right now because it's not looking good for the Heat. Definitely some dark clouds over over Miami Heat Nation right now. Yeah, but man. What you got? Let's talk about the last two games, right? Right. Uh, we played two close, well, one close game against Brooklyn, right, which was the first of the two back to back matchups. We ended up losing that game one twenty eight to one twenty four. The really cool part about that game was Bam looking like a freaking superstar, yeah. looking like a young KG out there balling and, and doing his thing and making big buckets whenever we needed them. It was amazing to see, and it sucks that we waste a performance like that, right, on a loss. The man really literally balled out of his mind for a career-high 41 points. He was 14 of 20 from the field, uh, hit a three-pointer, right, 12 of 14 from the stripe, Um Got five rebounds, nine assists. Nothing else that you can ask this guy to do in a game, you know, especially when the Heat are shorthanded, you know, and we can get to that later. But he got a little bit of help from uh, Kendrick Nunn. Surprisingly. Surprisingly. Continues his streak of playing well after dropping back-to-back 28 points. He comes through and drops 18 and contributes really to an offense that needed some firepower, right? Right. And, I mean, he, he we know he can do it. He, was, he had his name thrown in the hat for Rookie of the Year last year at one point. He was doing really well, and we were kind of hoping that – all right, this is going to be somebody, you know, that that we drafted that's going to end up, you know, being a starter and, and adding uh, a lot of depth to our team as far as, you know, on the scoring side of, of, the, of things. And he hasn't been doing that, man. He kind of tapered off towards the end of the, the season last year and, you know, through the playoffs. And now, you know, now's when we need him to step up. So I'm glad he's been doing well. Definitely. And, and we definitely needed somebody to step up that game because a guy that we usually depend on, which is Duncan Robinson, he really struggled, yeah. right? He had yeah. went three from 11 from three point land. He ended up with 18 points because he, he shot pretty well from the from the field. He was able to take a step in and really hit down a 16 footer and hit jumpers and, and get to the line and whatnot. But it was a rough night for him. The rough night for the heat, too, yeah, because all look, around, man, we were just we were just short again. How many times can you say, like, hey, we scored 42 points in the fourth quarter and we lose a game? You know? Not often. Not often, you know? And, and, it, and it sucks because, yeah, we know that they have a big three, but we know what the Heat are capable of and can do when it comes time to play well down the stretch. And I felt like they did play well down the stretch. We just got cold when it mattered, and we, and we really couldn't have uh, – we didn't have a closer – you know, we didn't have a closer on the floor for that game, and, and that shit sucked. We're missing Jimmy. We're, we're missing, missing Jimmy, Jimmy right? That's our, that is our closer right there. And even Hero, because Hero has stepped up in, in moments and, and really provided that finishing touch 
to games, whether it be him drawing a foul or, or making a bucket or hitting a three or something like that. Right. So we, we're accustomed to, to those two guys doing it for us. Not to say that Bam couldn't do it, but he already did everything he could. And it was really out of his hands at that point. But whatever, that gave us back-to-back losses. We have a day off, and then we go into the next game against Brooklyn, which was an ugly game in, in the first three quarters, right? Like, both teams offensively didn't hit. Uh, their big three were struggling. The, the Heat couldn't really get anything going, even though we went into halftime leading. But it was it was really a struggle offensively because, again, we're missing all of these key pieces. And, unfortunately, Bam is not going to give you a back-to-back 40-point night, you know, even though we all wish he would do that. It would be pretty freaking awesome. But he's not at that stage of his career yet, right, where he can just be like, all right, I'm the man. I'm going to turn it on tonight, and I know I got to go for 45 points. He's right where we want him to be. He's exactly where we, where we need him to be. You know what I'm saying? As long as he stays healthy, which he has been one of the more consistent players so far, you know, in this short season, we – I mean, I like where he's at. I don't, I don't need any more from Bam. You know, just keep trending in the right direction and everything else. As long as we can get guys back, you know, which Jimmy, and we're, I was hoping we were going to get him back today, and he, he's still out. He's, he's there on the sideline with his teammates and stuff, so he's back around the atmosphere, uh, which is a good thing. It's, you know, it's pointing in the right direction. But I, I saw kind of a, um, you know, a lurking tweet that, that, that didn't really tell me anything yeah. definitive about his future as far as yeah. when he's coming back. And that kind of scares me because without Jimmy, I mean, that that's – that's our that's our guy right there. That's our heart and soul. You know, yeah, we have Haslam on the bench to be like the the high the heart and soul of the team, but on the on the court where it matters, right? It's Jimmy and you can tell how being shorthanded is killing the heat right now. Even in that game, right? Bam played relatively well again. 10 of 19 from the field, hit another 3, 5 of 6 from free throw. Ends up with 10 rebounds, three offensive rebounds, Incred- five assists. Incredible, man. I mean, those stats right there, is that's what we need. That's exactly what we need from them. And we still don't have that fourth quarter, like, finisher where in the fourth quarter when the heat go cold, we're, it, it's evident that we're going to lose the game because we don't have somebody to step up and be like, okay, direct the ball to me every single play and I'm going to make something happen. Um, no Jimmy. No hero, no Avery Bradley, no Miles Leonard, no Harkless. So now we're talking about key contributors on offense in a starting position and key contributors coming off the bench all missing for the Heat. And that's kind of why we're at where we're at right now, being 6-10 and 10, and, you know, currently 13th in the East. Oh, my God, that's brutal, man. Thankfully, it's a long season, right? And we're, we got a homestand that we're kicking off tonight. We're recording it, but, you know, we'll know the results of the Denver game at home. But... We really need to win out a lot of these games. We need to win, in my opinion, at least the next four games to really like make some noise in the East and start getting back into playoff contention. I, I think I think we need to win all six of them, man. We got a home stand right now, you know. The yeah, fans, it's definitely that. Letting fans back in the building, they got their COVID dogs sniffing away, <laughs> right? So hopefully that brings a little bit of energy back into that stadium and and guys get healthy again. I mean. Hopefully they get this COVID behind them. If they already caught it, I guess that's the best thing, too, because they can just, you know, all right, I've already had it. I can't catch it. I'm not at risk anymore. Let me go out there and play. Yeah. And and that's what we need, man. We need our guys just to come back healthy. We need to go on a run right here, a big tear. We we, we definitely need it right now to build the momentum going in. For sure. And a key part of that is going to be getting healthy, like you said, mm-hmm. um, and playing in front of the crowd. You know, that it really does make a difference. I mean, look, we saw it in the NFL playoffs this weekend, right? Two home games in the playoffs, right? We had the Packers hosting the Bucks, and we had the Chiefs hosting the Bills. 
both were allowed fans in the stadiums, right? And it kind of made a big difference as to how the momentum was shifting throughout the football game because we know that in football that can be a real thing. Yeah, mo most sports, I would say, you know, the, that home field advantage and the fans, that dynamic of, of you know, those moments where it's you sure. know, it's, it's, it's a crucial moment and the fans are getting loud and now you're, you're starting to second guess and, and think things over again. So, I mean, I think that's a sure. huge, but yeah, like you said, uh, a lot of good football this week. I'll give you a good example, right? In the Packer game, which we both predicted wrongly, uh -huh. right? Because we both picked the Packers. Dude, I don't even want to talk about my picks this yeah, week. Yeah, you did horrible <laughs> this, this past weekend, bro. I took all the losers. If you guys were listening and bet against me, you guys would have made You're a welcome. lot of money. <laughs> For instance, in the Packers game, right, there was key moments in the in the game where the Packers fans, they had, like, this sign that they gave out, and you could hear them, like, banging it against the metal. And you can hear that from your TV. And if you can hear that from your TV as clearly as it is, I don't care if you have, like, a Adobe 5-point-whatever system in your house. If that's coming through on your television, then for sure it's loud on the field, then for sure it's loud in the stadium. Unfortunately for the Packers, they couldn't make translate that momentum into a w because they couldn't sustain it yeah you know brady really did the most that everything that the bucks needed him to do in order to close that game out he did it you know they needed a first down he got it they needed a touchdown he got it we need to get into field goal position after turnover you got it and that was after him throwing three interceptions right. and really giving the the packers every single chance to get back in that game over the and over game again. and every time that he threw away the ball and had a turnover packers came back and just punted the ball after a three and out so it was evident that the Packers weren't playing up to their level, right? That they've been running and gunning in the playoffs. However, Brady and them boys, they kept on rolling. Yeah. Godwin balled out. Gronk had big plays. Mike Evans played well. Yeah, he had a touchdown. Scotty Miller had a touchdown. Fournette ran hard. So, offensively, they were able to roll and kind of overcome Brady's mistakes and make their way to the Super Bowl, winning three straight games to get into the Super Bowl as a road team, which is incredible, incredible, incredible. Uh, it takes a lot, man. And in, in a couple episodes ago, I think not last episode, but the one before that, I had said that I thought they were going to lose uh, to the to the uh, Saints and it was going to come down to coaching. And, you know, that was kind of a knock on, on Bruce Arians because I thought Sean Payton was a better coach, but obviously he's gone on to do some great things. And in this one, I thought he really showed, you know, showed his chops because I thought he did a way better job of leading this this his team you know, to a victory over what some of the decisions that Matt LaFleur was making, like that one, he just didn't go for the touchdown. I, what do you think about that? Obviously, the the critics are going to say you, you, you fucked up, right? As uh, This was your moment to make the right decision to possibly win the game or tie the game up, right, to make it easier for you. You have arguably the best quarterback in the NFL. It's fourth and goal. You're inside your own 10. You just messed up twice on second down and third and goal, right? You have to go for the six because getting three points does you nothing. They didn't even get the ball back after that. So it's easy to go back and miss and like judge him, right? And say, well, damn, forget about the outcome of the play, right? Whether they would have scored the touchdown or not. But you didn't even put yourself in a position to, to see that outcome work in your favor, right? So... He definitely choked when it came to that, which kind of makes sense because now Aaron Rodgers, a lot of rumors floating around that he's upset and he may not want to come back to the Packers, which in this specific offseason, as we're going to detail as it moves on, right, we see, we're going to see a lot of big-name quarterbacks switch teams, which 
I don't know about you. I can't remember the last time we saw so much movement with high-priced players, high-priced names being moved like that at the quarterback position. We've so. never seen it. It's something new, and I think it's a lot to do with, like, how basketball kind of carries itself. You know, you get players that don't commit anymore to any one franchise, and it's like, hey, whoever's going to pay me, I'm going to go over there and play for them, and that'll be my new home. Yeah, and they're going to be able to force their way out, right? Exactly. So it's going to be interesting, man. But, uh, yeah, it was a hell of a game. You know, it ended up coming down to um, a pass interference call or, or, you know, yeah, it was a pass interference yeah. that they called at the end, you know, and, and there was it's kind of, you know, some people were upset about that because there could have been a possibly a flag called on Devontae Adams on that, you know, that third down right before he didn't go for it and all that. And it just didn't pan out. But I thought the Bucks were the better team at the end of the day. I think they, they no definitely doubt. deserved to win that game. So good no luck doubt. to them in the Super Bowl yep. facing. Tenth tenth playoff uh, Super Bowl appearance for Tom Brady, by the way. Oh, geez. Tenth. He's so the GOAT. I mean, he, we don't got to talk. We'll have no a whole other podcast one day, me and you, just by ourselves that nobody else will listen to. Right. Just discussing how great Tom Brady is. For sure, because there's there's no way that you we can talk about who's the greatest of all time. That that conversation is done with. It's Tom Brady. Obviate. And now he's gonna face the baby goat in Patrick Mahomes. You know, unfortunately for you, you thought the Bills were gonna win that. That's a trash pick. Yeah, yeah. I was riding I was riding with the AFC East. You know, if our listeners know that I was riding with with the AFC East just to say that, all right, Dolphins have the toughest division year in and year out. So I was riding with them. But well, we usually the do. Chiefs, you know, the Chiefs do their thing, man. They're a great team. And like you said, they do have the, the new baby goat. You know, it's, it's this is going to be an interesting Super Bowl because we have the old face of the NFL versus the new face versus of the, the young NFL. new face of the NFL. It's going to be a good game. But let's talk about this Bills game. The Bills game was was interesting because we knew, and I said it on the podcast, the Bills were going to come out firing, right? They come out, they score the first touchdown of the game, they missed the extra point, whatever. I, I felt like that kind of broke their momentum a little bit. Right. We've seen the Chiefs go down, and that's their MO. Hey, we're going to give you a, a little 10-point, 17-point lead, and then we're going to come back and make it interesting for everybody to watch. And that's exactly what happened. They put that game away in the, in the second quarter. They scored three touchdowns in the quarter, and I was like, well – Good luck to Buffalo coming back from this because there's no way Mahomes is going to continue to slow down the offense. If anything, he's going to try to put up as many points as he could. For the Bills, they they showed a lot of heart. Uh, we all saw the images of Stefan Diggs staying on the field after losing, you know, to watch the Chiefs celebrate. That's, that's stuff that winners do, and eventually that team could get there. But there was no way that you were going to beat the Chiefs at home, right, without playing your best football. And Buffalo definitely did not play their best no, football. There was a lot of talk about the offensive play calling, not only during the game, but after the game with Brian DeBole. And he's a guy who's kind of like in some candidacy for some head coaching positions. His name's being thrown around. It's rough because we know that Josh Allen is really good. He played well that game. Not Josh Allen good, but good enough for any quarterback. The one who really suffered that game was the leading receiver in the NFL, which was Diggs. You know, he didn't really have more than three catches going into the fourth quarter. So he struggled mightily to even get open. And that's a credit to the Chiefs defense saying, yeah, we're going to let our team put up points, but we're going to really make it hard for you to put up touchdowns. And once they went into the lead, into halftime with that lead, I felt like the Chiefs felt super comfortable in, in just cruising into the Super Bowl, back-to-back -back appearances. What can you say about – Andy Reid, bro. I mean, it's it, he's been doing it. He's been doing it. He solidified, you know, who he is and, and what he does last year by taking the Super Bowl. And, and these guys just haven't missed a beat even with, you know, a pandemic. They are literally playing the same exact way that they were playing last year. And everybody's healthy. 
That's that's the biggest kicker is that they don't have any any you know injuries or any losses right now that's like oh they're missing Tyreek or they're missing a pivotal part of their defense and Tyron Matthew. No, everybody's there and they're firing on all cylinders. So it's it's definitely gonna make for a hell of a Super Bowl, man. I can tell you that. For it's sure. Pretty cool that Tampa gets to play at home though. So yeah. uh, who knows if that's going to change ever, things up, right? right? First team ever to to play, to host to host the Super Bowl and to play at home in the Super Bowl. So whether they're the home team or not, it's not going to matter. They're going to be, you know, driving up, sleeping in their own beds. No, they're probably not going to sleep in their own beds, you know, whatever security reasons. But still, you're going to be home. You're going to be able to see your wife and kids right. and stuff like that. You're you playing to- in the same stadium you played in all year. You're not playing in a strange stadium. You're going to have fans there, Yep. you know, because the Tampa does let in home fans. So... It's gonna, you know, they're gonna have that dynamic, and they got the greatest quarterback of all time. Yeah, no, so. two great quarterbacks dueling it out for a Super Bowl in one of their hometowns. You can't write a better script than that, and the Super Bowl is gonna be amazing this year. You know, it's gonna be amazing, and we're definitely gonna break it down yeah, next. Yeah, we're episode. gonna hold our picks off for next episode, right? Yes, sir. And I'm gonna be interested to see what the line comes out and how it moves progressively as we get closer, because it's gonna be really interesting. Cool. I think we gotta, you know, what we also gotta do next week when we're breaking down the Super Bowl. What's that? Big break down some prop bets for it. Yeah. You know, let's what do, do we that. think is gonna be? Heads or tails? How long the uh, the national anthem's gonna go? What any color streakers, the Gatorade's gonna go? Is any streakers? All that. You know? All that. Let's all do that some cra- prop bets. Some let's good old clean betting, gambling fun. Let us know. Let us know if you guys wanna hear us talk about some uh, some prop bets. For sure. And uh, speaking of bets, if you made a good bet on Connor this weekend, you lost your money. I lost money. You lost your money because <laughs> I did so bad, dude. I lost dude, all my bets. Dude, you were awful this weekend. All of them. Awful this weekend. Oh man, I had Connor winning by KO, and he got KO'd actually by Diamond Dustin Poirier. Super impressive by that, by his performance. Because me, I I I knew that the fight could go deep into the into the later rounds, right? So that's why I kind of picked Connor surviving and winning a fight by decision because he can outpoint him, maybe win some more rounds. I didn't expect Dustin to feel comfortable enough to stand in front of him at this weight and say, "All right, let's let's exchange and you hit me with your best shot. I'm gonna hit you with my best shot. And we're gonna see what happens." Connor came out really sharp, throwing jabs, connecting, hooks, boxing. Moving left to right, ducking. He looked pretty good. C- kind of like the Connor of old. Something that I noticed was that Dustin was eating all of those shots very easily. It's not like the, any of them really rocked him. He was able to dodge a bunch of them and even time them. And I felt like he was kind of slowly setting up Connor to kind of like lure him in and be like, okay, once he comes in, I'm going to take my shot to hit him with something hard. And he fucking rocked him and dropped him in the second round. Bro. No, he looked he looked way better than their their first fight. I mean, he's a way different fighter than the first time that they fought, and you saw it. He was you know better conditioned. He was he was smarter with his decision making. Connor came out you know in that first round. I I I think he took that first round. Yep. Um, you know, and I was excited. I was like, okay, Connor looks good. You know, he he looked really uh, well conditioned. He was in really good shape. He looked sharp. But it just – there wasn't that killer instinct there. Like, there wasn't that animosity or that hostility that he normally carries going into his fights that either helps give him an edge as far as, you know, getting in his opponent's head to make them make a mistake or just being in their head already and then being fearful of what he's going to do. And I don't think he had that this time around. I think him and Poirier, you know, were, were on more of a common ground, especially knowing now that he, he was humbled by Khabib. Um, and Poirier wasn't scared of him anymore. So it, that gave him a huge advantage. You're 100% right. Connor did not have that killer look in his eyes because walking down into the into the octagon, you were expecting a more bravado Connor, right? Like a Connor walking out with his badass walk and like 
coming in there with like his face that I'm gonna fuck this guy up. He was very nice. He looked very calm. He didn't look like a like he was going into a real fight with a a real competitor for the title at that weight division. Because yeah, that was Connor's third fight in that division, but. Dustin's been in there and he's been putting in work and really getting a feel for the division and how to carry his weight and how to hit with punches and, and hit with with power, right? Because it's a lot different. So that's why I kind of felt like when Dustin was walking in, he meant business. And his eyes were like, either this guy's gonna kill me or I'm gonna fucking kill him. But I'm not wasting time trying to figure out what he's gonna do. I'm gonna do what I gotta do in order to beat him. And it worked out to a T. It felt like he was way more comfortable standing in front of McGregor at 155, right? Because probably Dustin was struggling really hard to make weight at 145 in the first fight they fought. So he, Connor was kind of at an advantage. If you looked at Dustin, Dustin looked like he walks around at 175, yeah, 180 easy. pounds, easy. You know what I mean? So for him, that weight cutting shit to get to 155 and be like, okay, I'm the bigger guy. Now I can eat your punches and I'm not going to worry about it. Was it surprising that he beat him like that? Yes. But if you're a Dustin fan and you've seen his last couple of fights and you rewatched that fight, you're like, yeah, you know what? He played it perfectly. He really did. There's nothing else to say about that. He really fought Connor perfect. I mean, one of the things that, that I was impressed were those leg kicks, man. He fucked Connor's legs up. Yeah. <laughs> he was going at him where I saw Connor walking out of the arena afterwards and he was, again, you know, very respectful and he was shaking his hand and all that. But. Dude was limping, man. He looked like DJ Laz the way he was walking around. <laughs> With the crutch and the Bro, pimp with yeah. the limp. <laughs> it, was, it was bad. I feel sorry for him. He's probably still feeling that shit right now. But congrats to Dustin Poirier. Uh, hell, hell of a win for the guy. And now he's uh, he's got a shot at the title. I think he gets it. And, and especially if Khabib really does, quote, unquote, retire. He was talking a lot of shit about Connor when Connor lost and Connor came back at him and was tell like, me more about that. You were telling me before the show started, but tell me a little bit more about what, what happened there at the end. Well, I, immediately after the fight, cause Khabib was in Abu Dhabi cause right. he was in the corner. He was a cornerman for one of his guys that are fighting out of his camp. And so he got to see the fight live, right. With everybody else, whatnot from the hotel. And as soon as the fight was over that could, that Connor lost, you know, and they were, Again, talking about how Dustin is the really, the real threat at 155, and he deserves that title shot, or at least should fight Conor again for the title. Khabib came to Twitter and actually tweeted out and was like, "You know what? That's what you get, Conor. You switch coaches. You're switching your training regimens. You're switching this. You're switching your personality. You're not being true to who you are. That's why you're losing." And it kind of, you know, rubbed Conor the wrong way to be like, "Hold up, I'm." I'm giving you respect. I'm giving you your space. You said you wanted to retire because of your dad. All right, cool. I can respect that. But don't talk shit about me if you're not willing to come in the ring and us get paid and really fight and see who's better. You know, because if you're going to talk shit, then I can talk shit. And we know that Connor's probably better at talking crap than, than Khabib. Yeah, but he's not better at fighting, though. And that's what's important right now. That's what accounts. For sure. But, but I'll point to this. Look at the long layoff. And how it affected Connor. Oh, absolutely. Khabib absolutely. can't just jump back into the ring and say, yeah, I'm going to fight Connor or I'm going to fight Dustin Poirier for the belt. I disagree. Because he'll probably lose. I disagree. I don't think I he think has you can put that guy in the ring right now and he will destroy and maul anybody you put in front of him. Khabib is the real deal. This guy is not like Connor. He's not like Dustin. He's not like any of these other clowns. No offense to them. I don't mean to call them clowns, but he's just a different breed of guy. But, I mean, in the future of McGregor, as far as what's next for Connor, I mean, 
obviously he's a good name. He's still going to be a big draw. But for me, it's the legend of McGregor is kind of over. You know, I, I'm not impressed. I'm not, you know, yeah. impressed with what he's done in the last couple fights. He lost to Khabib, so he doesn't deserve another shot just off of that alone. But now he lost to Dustin Poirier. And it's like, yeah, you can go run off and do a trilogy fight with him and make money, but I don't think you deserve a shot at Khabib again. You don't. Des- I don't think you deserve it. Now nah, he's got to be. He's got to be somebody. You know, he's got to be somebody. He still has his name. Still has that draw, but it's losing its luster, and it's not gonna come back unless he starts winning and knocking people out point blank. You know, that's how it goes in the UFC. If you when you're at the top, you be- you better learn how to stay at the top. If not. It's going to be a real hard fall. And he learned that because he's lost his belts, lots, a, a bunch of fire, a lot of money, a lot of sh- uh, time, right, from that whole debacle with the Khabib shit. Connor really has to put his heart back into the game and be like, okay, I'm done with the promoting. I'm done trying to be the businessman. I've made money. Either I'm going to do that full time and make my money or I'm going to be a real fighter and fight because the guys that he's fighting or the people that he's fighting to reach that pinnacle, those guys are, are not doing business ventures and doing commercials and shit like that. They're in, you know, their, their gyms working every day on hooks and grappling and all types of stuff, striking, staying active. Yeah, I think you know? he's too comfortable already. I think, you know, he's not he's not going to uh, do anything wowing, you know, anytime soon. You know, he's not going to wow us anytime soon. So hopefully he proves us wrong. I love the guy. I love, you know, he's a great um, performer. He's a hell of a showman, and I would love to see him come back, but it's not really doing it for me. No, so. no. And at least we got some bigger fights that are coming up in yeah. the UFC and MMA. A lot and of even great in boxing fights. That we're going to be able to, to, to recap and watch and enjoy. Well, before you move on, uh, you just mentioned boxing. They just announced that Ryan Garcia is fighting Manny Pacquiao. What do, wow. you, what do you think about that? Personally, I don't like it, but I understand it. I understand it because Pacquiao is a draw. Right. He's a big name. He's a formidable opponent. He's not no walk in the park. He's coming to fight and he's going to be respectful and he's going to earn money and he's going to generate revenue for Ryan. I think he's biting off a little bit more than he can chew. That's just my personal opinion. If and when he does beat Manny Pacquiao, it's not going to be a 10 out of 10 surprising factor for me. Right, because you're not catching Manny Pacquiao in his prime. Exactly. Yeah. I'll be impressed that you beat him because again, he's no slouch and he's and yeah, he's an old man, but again it's still a good challenge. A, a real challenge, not not just a good challenge, a real good challenge. Yeah. And it would be beneficial for his experience to get that championship fight. But I, I don't enjoy it because I just feel like Ryan should be fighting younger guys that have potentials to build stories around where they can do a three-fight series, four-fight series, and something like that. So, But I'm going to watch it. Yeah, you know? I mean, I think we all will. I, and like, I, I think that it is uh, something for, for Ryan. You know, I think he, he was very – he tweeted out or he sent something out that he was excited to be fighting, you know, hit one of his role models or, you know – A legend, bro. A legend in, in his own. So I guess it's more of that and then guess for the draw for the card. But, I, you know, for his career, I mean, if, if he loses to Pacquiao – it's like yikes. Okay, uh, Pacquiao still got it, or yikes. this kid Ryan's not the real deal. And then if he beats Pacquiao, at the end of the day, it's like, yeah, you beat an old Pacquiao, my beat guy. Oh man, now go fight somebody young. Yeah, right? exactly. So, you know, that's why I feel like that should have been the fight that would have been made, that would have been benef- more beneficial to Ryan's career than Manny Pacquiao. Is it good for him, experience wise? Absolutely, he's gonna learn a ton from being in the ring with a guy like Manny Pacquiao. Um, there's no way you walk away from a, a, a fight with Manny Pacquiao and don't get a lesson, right? Right. 
but let's see, man. It's, it should be interesting. We'll watch it, you know, and we'll see how it builds up as it gets closer to fight. But it, it's going to be an interesting fight, no doubt. No it's going to be an interesting fight, no doubt. Hell yeah, man. Hey, one thing I wanted to ask you, though, because yeah, I know you're you're my go-to whenever I need some info on this. I, I saw that there were some uh, personnel changes over at Chelsea. Well, I'm glad you're giving me this opportunity, bro, because I feel like we don't talk enough Chelsea. And it's been... I try, I try to keep up a little no. bit. Now, you're and my guy, though. you got to keep me updated, though. Cause. Mostly it's my fault because we've had a real bad run. And this shit just culminated right now with us firing uh, our legend, our club legend in Frank Lampard. Um, he's won every trophy at the club. He gets the managerial job uh, 18 months ago. And he's really the, the main factor as why Chelsea are even in the Champions League right now. He brought along a lot of youth academy players and brought them into the Premier League, and they're actually good and contributed to the team. And what sucks for me as a Chelsea fan, right, in the in the time that I've been a fan, I've already seen, like, five different managers, six different managers. And it's only been, like, eight, nine years. So I'm, I'm kind of tired of, like, the revolving door at that position. And it's only because of the the high expectations that are are owner has right he's like well either you win or you're out <laughs> right like, well, i mean yeah I, I like the mentality but you know does that mean is he gonna have some sort of grace period like time to kind of get the feel for what the hell he needs to do to get the ship going in the right direction well that's the thing you know with with chelsea us being such a big club historically right and him being a big spender he's gonna say i'll give you whatever you want you can pick and choose whatever you want but along with that comes the high expectations of making it work and, and giving me my return on my investment, right? Go win these trophies, go win these tournaments, and make sure that the income is still coming into the club. With with Frank and him getting fired, it was more like, uh, you know, because he's he was actually the fifth longest tenured manager at Chelsea since the owner took over. And he was only there 18 months. Jeez. And he's <laughs> fifth longest so we tenure. Can, we can say turnover is pretty high. That revolving door is a real thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it breaks my heart to see our legend, right, get that dream job, build it up, have the kids play well and, and really look up to him, invest this offseason where we bought a bunch of players that I covered earlier in the season and and not let him see it out. That shit sucks. And it does and to me, I'm I'm getting more used to it as a Chelsea fan, but it's always like, damn, at one point are we gonna let somebody get a chance to build something over three, four, five years, you know, and really put a project together. Uh, I don't think it's gonna ever happen, but shit. I just had to get that that Chelsea stuff off my chest. So you know? so what's the over under for how long this new uh this new manager is going to be there. Well, we hired Thomas Tuchel, right, who is a German uh, national coach. And he was lastly at PSG where he got fired after making the Champions League final. So he took PSG to the Champions League. Uh, they won their league. And uh, he, he comes from a good lineage of coaching, right? A lot of people respect his knowledge and tactics for the game and how he kind of like reinvents the old into the new. But... I don't know if it's going to work in the English league because the English Premier League is a way more physical league than all the other leagues in the world. It's oftentimes considered the best league in the world. So I have my doubts or reservations about how good he can be because if you get fired from two jobs within your last two appearances as a coach, 
it, it, something's wrong. Either the team that you were working for is really whack when it comes to infrastructure or you don't do enough winning to keep them happy. And for us, you know, we just saw Frank go out the door. A new guy coming in, it's like, well, shit, we know you you got three, four, five months to win whatever you can win before Buddy up top decides, hey, you know what? I think I need somebody new here. Let's get this guy out of here. You know, and, and you can tell because he signed an 18-month contract. So he knows that there's a limited time to to his statue. You better to, get it together, Papa. Better get it together and quick. <laughs> Figure it out quick. Because the investment there's is a, there. There's a short know? learning curve at this uh at this organization. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. And 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 again, he was reached he was they reached out to him about the job, so he knew what the pressures were going to be coming into the job and he accepted it anyways. So to me, especially after today's result uh or last yesterday's result where they tied against Wolverhampton 0-0 at Stanford Bridge, I kind of expected more, but we got nothing. You know, we saw same old Chelsea where they're passing the ball a hundred times and not really creating. So it, it, it kind of lends to not be on the manager and more on the players. But to be fair, it was his first game after only coaching or being hired a day after that. So, yeah, so, so right see. now I'm looking at it. It says Chelsea's eighth right now in the EPL. Yep. And you just, as you say, they just they're coming off a, a draw. Their next game is the 31st of January, and they're playing Burnley Football yep. Club. Yep, yep. What do you got there? Let's. Uh, I won't give a prediction. I'm. Let's. See, my prediction is they're going to draw because that's as much that's as I know easiest, about soccer. So you tell me, way, what right? do you think? What do you think is going to happen? If Tucho is really good at what they say he is, then he's going to have ample enough time between now and then to really put a, a game plan together to attack them to get shots on goal. Yeah, it's nice to see us dominate and have the ball for most of the game and control the passing, but 800 passing or 700 uh, passes and stuff like that without the goals to go with it means shit to, to Chelsea fans, especially to me. I don't want to see the product of the buildup. I want to see the finishing, you know? I don't care if we hold the ball or not. I want to see the finishing. So he's going to have ample enough time to kind of try to figure out who he can put where in his system that he prefers, right? Because he started out with three fullbacks today or three center backs. It's kind of weird. Um, and, and try to get the most out of the team. If he doesn't win that game because the draw is not good enough. If he doesn't win that game, then automatically the pressure is on him and he's going to be out before the season is over. Wow. <laughs> well, I'm hoping uh, I'm hoping that doesn't happen, man. You got to play catch to him. Look, Man United <laughs> is winning. Uh, City's at the top of the table right now. Liverpool is, yeah, is man, right within Man, you just won the last five games in a row. They lost uh, today to Sheffield United. But even still, that was their first loss in the last six, seven Premier League games. Sorry, so, Man City, not Man United. Man United is second place right now. Yeah, they City's are at first. So, again, and even Liverpool at third and Tottenham and West Ham. right in there. There's a lot of teams that are vying for that spot, and it's all attainable. But if you don't start winning games immediately, then good luck. Yeah. You know, you're gonna you're never gonna yeah. come back. No, no, absolutely. It needs to happen Sunday, right? Yep. So Chelsea in the Sunday. heat, man. We gotta turn things around. We turn it around. I'm <laughs> gonna have to hit on my dog, bro. I'm gonna go ahead on the Yeah, bro. Man. We gotta call shit. up a Babalao or something. Quick. Something, bro. Some high <laughs> shit. You know me, man. Hey, I know a guy, man. You just let me know. You give me a shout, I got you. <laughs> For sure. Well, that's our show. Joel, it's good to have you back, bro. It was great to be back, man. Let me tell you. No doubt, no doubt. 
Everybody, we want to thank you for tuning in yet again to another episode of Sports with Soso. Make sure you're following us on Instagram and on Twitter, Sports with Soso Podcast. And also, if you're listening to the show on Spotify, if you're listening to the show on iTunes, if you're listening to the show on Google, make sure you're hitting that like button, that subscribe button, that follow button. And if you like the show, tell a friend. 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 And make sure that we're spreading this fire-ass Miami sports show to all the people that you know enjoy Miami sports like we do. Until next time, everybody. Peace. Peace.